Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan as always, and we're excited to be able to share with you some things to help you to endure. That's why we do this podcast and we do lots of other things too, because we want to help church leaders and churches both to endure and do well and succeed. So um, today, Alan, uh, we want to talk about some things that maybe would stop um churches or church leaders from enduring so kind of lead us into that today yeah you know uh, we we all love momentum and we love good momentum uh, because you, you can't be stopped when you've got great momentum but somewhere along the way you can have great momentum and you can all of a sudden lose it and then you look back and ask yourself how do we ever get to this place you know i've seen you and i uh, we've seen so many churches that 20 30 years ago were vibrant you know, and, you know, now you've got an auditorium that seats 250 people and you've got 12 people in there. Well, you know, yeah. what happened? What killed the endurance? And so mm -hmm. I just thought we would uh, put together a list of some things and we'll probably won't hit all of them, but hopefully we'll catch a lot of them. Yeah, well, I think this is good. And, and some of you who are just started listening recently may not realize that Alan had been a uh, cross-country coach, and so the idea of enduring um, rings true for him, and he wants to help you to um, be able to run the race and keep going. So, And uh, we're going to talk through several things today. Alan, the first one that we you have on the note today is building neglect. Um, there, We've seen this a lot in these churches that are kind of they have a lower attendance, and this is part of it, I think. Yeah, you know, it's it's just um, sad when you go go to a church, and it looks like no one has thought about any part of their building. They don't even notice um, how bad it is. If you're a guest and you drive up, and you know, there's weeds all over the parking lot, and the the doors are the you know the doors are hard to open. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I've seen I've seen so many different things in regards to building. It's it's hard. I mean, so is it falling apart? And and some of them are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen the same thing. You know, and we get into our own ruts, right? As, as maybe as a member of your church, you just you go through the the same deals, and you you quit noticing things. Um, things become invisible to us, uh, and so. Uh, some of the things I think that are important is, yeah, like you mentioned, the outside. When people come to your church, what's their first impression of the building? Um, that's going to that's gonna deter them or draw them in. So if it looks like it's falling apart, but then when you get inside, what are some things, Alan, that, that kind of well, yeah, there's a pretty pretty good list, but you you certainly don't want people to come in and be knocked over by some bad smell. You know, oh, smell. They, people tell us that our sense of smell is one of the strongest, uh, you know, senses that we have. And I've walked into some churches, and I've wanted to turn around and walk right out because of the smell um, that you that you have when when you walk in. So that's the first one that actually comes to my mind is you you, you don't want the sewer smell when you walk into a church. That's for sure. Um, what, what are some other things, Trent? When you're thinking about inside, and you've seen some of these things too. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I've I've been to a lot of churches, and um, one of the things that really will 
catch my eye when we walk into a foyer or first in the sanctuary is there'll be lots of clutter, like stacked old um, Sunday school literature from, you know, 20 years ago and stuff like that. Things that just need to be thrown away. And, and so you ask people like, oh, yeah, we probably should do that. Or we're plan we've got plans for that. We, you know, 20 years ago, we had plans for that. Uh, so those things really, they just give a bad feeling to people. Yeah, you know, Trent, one of the things, too, I think has changed in some people like, well, this is just what our building is. You really do need to think about the value of your building from the standpoint, too. You mentioned you walk into the foyer, you walk into the auditorium. There's a lot of churches, especially older buildings, that have no foyer whatsoever. There's nowhere to greet anyone. You walk straight into the auditorium. And right. I really think that's a huge turnoff for guests. I, mm -hmm. I think you need to find some kind of solution, whether you, you greet the guests outside. You've got to find a way where their first experience isn't walking into an auditorium where people might already be doing stuff and they feel put on the spot. I, it's just um, just kind of something that, as you're talking, came, came to my mind, and I've seen that in some, some places. And that, that really is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you, Alan, because I've seen it too. And and what makes it even worse is if a if a church doesn't have somebody, a person to greet, and you know, if they say they have a tiny foyer or no foyer, but you can overcome that if you have a person there who is a greeter who would just you know welcome them and kind of explain what things are going on and things like that. You can kind of overcome some of those things until you have the opportunity to make it different. But you do need to put a long-term plan together for that, which is why you might need to get some outside eyes to see what you're not seeing. Ask, ask someone to give you honest feedback. You know, one of the most easy things to do is just to get some several people's feedback on buildings. They may not have all the solutions, but if you, you at least know the problems, you can start looking for the solutions. Yeah, and that's one of those things that Alan and I like to be able to do with churches is just to be able to walk with the pastor or church leader. I get to do that this next week with one of our churches, and they've got some future plans, and get to walk through that that plan with them. And so, yeah, I think that's important. Or get a secret shopper kind of thing. You know, uh, pastors invite invite someone to come in. Um, buy them lunch or something and and ask them to come in and and just be there and then write down their impressions of your church and and the you know first impressions of worship and all that yeah and that, that would work for several of those that we're going to talk about today trent if you wanted to do that yeah uh, another thing area that is really important is uh, a children's your, your children's area i think uh, especially if you're trying to reach out to young people with young kids, man, they more so now than any time in the last 50 to 100 years, young parents are going to be super picky about the children's area. That's so true. If you don't have if you don't have a system that makes people feel secure that their kids are in safe hands and trustworthy hands, when you think about all the scandals and you think well look our, no one in our church would ever do anything well you know parents aren't going to take that chance with their kids anymore you know there's just, there's just been too much and too much swept under the rug and so 
Uh, do you have a plan? Are you doing background checks on, on people? Do people know that you've done background checks? Do you have two people in, involved that have been background checked that are unrelated and all kinds of stuff? I mean, there are things you have to think about you didn't used to think about, but you right. have to. And so uh, absolutely. And you're in your area for kids needs to be safe and clean. Mm. Oh, yeah. And this is we talked about clutter before. This is an area that is big time. You know, if you've got the same toys that have been in the children's area since 1920 or whatever, it's time to go through and throw away a lot of stuff and clean, at least clean the toys you have. And that's unfortunately it doesn't happen. Yeah, that vintage 1970s Stretch Armstrong would do a lot better on eBay than it's going to do in your uh, in your in your <laughs> church uh, church play area. So make sure, sure make sure make sure that you're taking care of your building. Trent, what about well, you know um, you and I? You know, again, we've we've been through the dynamic change in worship in in churches um, from the time we were kids to now. It, it's a lot different. You know, you used to go to a church and every worship, worship in every church sounded alike. We're all going to sing holy, holy, holy. You know, mm -hmm. we're all going to sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And we're all going to go home. And it's not that way anymore. So, but worship mm -hmm. is still a big deal. It is a powerful part of your service. And I know worship is not just the singing. Let's, let's clear that up. Yeah. But, right. but your the worship what we offer as an attitude of worship in our churches has a lot to do with whether or not we're going to endure. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that it's not just the music. It does include the attitude. Um, and, you know, when we start talking about this, people are like, well, you're just trying to change us from our traditional style of worship. I'm getting ready to lead a worship leaders workshop here in the next week. And, and one of the things that, I really want to communicate is, hey, we're not trying to change you. We just want you to put some thought and some passion into what you're doing. Uh, because if you just show up on Sunday mornings and start, you know, flipping through the hymnal, picking out some hymns, I'm just telling you, it's not, it's going to fall flat and people are not going to be impressed and they're not going to be led to the throne, which is our job to lead them to the throne. Yeah, you know, I I would say, especially in our smaller churches, you can be contemporary, you can be you can be traditional, you can be blended, you can be any of those things. Now, I will tell you and suggest to you that if you do not have some elements that appeal to younger people, uh, you're not going to have younger people. Let's just be honest about that. But what I see is a lot of churches uh, and, and where I think it comes off and, and really looks badly. I see too, a lot of churches, not only are they not prepared, but when they do prepare, they're like, Oh yeah, we have a contemporary service. And, and it was contemporary in 1988, 1989, <laughs> but it's not contemporary today. It's actually pretty old school, you yeah. know, and, and I've, I've been in a lot of those situations and, and it's not that it's it's it it's not insincere or any of those things, but it's lacking in it and it shows to be lacking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and gosh, we're we would have been contemporaries of the nineteen eighty eight and nineteen ninety stuff, right? Because <laughs> we're old, yeah. right? 
<laughs> but but we don't have we're not young families. You got to think through this, um, and and I understand. I mean, there's a lot of our churches who have hardly any music or any musicians because they're small and everything. But just think about that. You're missing a, a huge opportunity to reinforce what the the Holy Spirit hopefully has been leading your pastor to preach about. If you're not working together, praying together, and choosing music that would reinforce what the pastor is preaching about too. Um, so, it, you know, it, sometimes it's contemporary traditional and that struggle, but sometimes it's just helping to lead people into worship with that attitude that you mentioned. Yeah, that's so, so true. Trent, what do you think about um, guest neglect? Have you, have you ever sensed that guests have been neglected in a church? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I have to tell you a story. Dana and I went to a church um, in Oklahoma. It was a big church um, in a college town, and uh, we're there to uh, visit, and nobody except one of the pastors shook our hands, greeted us, nothing. Um, and so, boy, we were put off. We were like, man, I'll, I'll never come back to that church. And I, I mean, I'm surprised that they were the size they were. So, Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It doesn't matter what size the church is. Every church thinks it's friendly. Oh, yeah, we're the friendliest church you'll ever meet. And um, we have great relationships. And you walk in and people look happy and they're talking to each other. Um, but sometimes they miss the guests. You know, I, yeah. I actually had had someone in my church hire a secret shopper one time to come in. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what day they were coming, but someone mm -hmm. came in. I didn't know them. Um, they got past all my greeters because my greeters were talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I saw this person and so I saw that they got missed by the greeters. And so I went up to them and introduced myself and greeted them. And in their write-up on our church, on their church experience, they said, I was ready to turn around and leave, but the pastor came up and said, hi, I liked him, but I didn't like the church and I would not come back. And I shared that with my, I shared that with my welcome team and they said, we never miss anybody. I'm like, I watched you miss this person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a frustrating thing um, from the pastoral side. Um, mm -hmm. but we have got to be vigilant about not neglecting our guests. You, you, you really do today. You need some kind of designated area where you know you can greet people. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would say, yeah, you need a, an area, but you also need layers of greeters. Um, one of the best churches that I've experienced them doing this well um, was at a church in Kansas City uh, recently, and it was a, a mostly young people, but they had, they had people from the parking lot to the doors, to the doors into the sanctuary, in the sanctuary. They had four layers of greeters and people were reaching out and, and helping you find what you needed. And so golly, by the time you got into worship, man, you, you'd been greeted by at least four different people. Yeah. And, and so I think that you need that. 
Yeah, and you need to train them so that they don't do too much. So, so they're not trying to get your whole life story on the way in. It's just more, right. hey, we're glad you're here. Is can I help get you anywhere? You know, that's all there is to it. It's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Make right. it simple. Now, one of the best things you can ever do is say, "Hey, come on in. Why don't you sit with me and my family?" You know, I mean, that's actually one of the most powerful things. Um, that you you can do, but one of the other things that happens sometimes in, in again small churches, especially now that I'm back in more of a Bible Belt, a more traditionally uh, churched area, is the spotlighting of guests. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, oh, we've got a new person here. Hey, why don't you tell us your name? I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't do that, please, don't yeah. do that. Oh man. People will not come back to that because they're just, I mean, in our day and time, anxiety is so high with people coming into a new place. Um, and so you don't want to have them stand. You don't want to have them wear a name tag if they're the only ones wearing a name tag. Um, I remember churches used to have those little ribbons that were in the bulletins, right? That you'd stick on your lapel. It's like, don't do that. Okay. Uh, they don't want to be recognized, but they do want to be greeted. Um, and so they, you don't want to separate them out. All right. So the, the next thing on our list is we're moving in. We're kind of moving from the outside of the building into worship and all that. And so uh, let's talk tech now. Um, this is an area that I think a lot of churches struggle with. They may or may not have somebody who's good at technology. And so let's talk about the area of technology in our worship. Yeah, Trent. Now you're you're a lot actually a lot better with technology than I am, uh, but you know we we do see this. You and I both watched watched the benefits when our technology was better, um, and seen mm -hmm. the detriments when it wasn't. And you know, COVID changed changed the technology landscape in church um, seismically. I mean, this was a huge huge adaptation that now we we all we all are doing some kind of video facebook live youtube whatever vimeo whatever it is that you're using you're streaming um most most churches have a, some kind of website but a lot of churches have really really bad websites um that that definitely need some work and attention because it doesn't matter you know if you are if you are in the smallest town in america the expectation, though, is, is that you should have a, a website that's at least as functional as Amazon. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, because because uh, out there, they're still shopping on Amazon. You know, they're still going, they're still going to all the, the city websites. So your, your website, at least if it needs to be functional. So I, I like to tell small churches, keep it simple, even if it's one page, but make it a great one page. You know, mm -hmm. and, and and so really make that pop. So so all of the all of those things, the audio quality of your microphones in church. If you're still using, if you're still using the same microphone and speakers that you had in 1970, get rid of them. Up, yeah. up, update that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I will tell you, there's nothing more uncomfortable for people in your pews, and especially yes. It's when things go wrong with technology and you're all sitting there stammering. And, and so, you know, we ask people to pray for people. You should also pray for your technology. I don't know why, but I believe that Satan attacks our technology. Um, and so 
you know, be, be aware of that. And I want to go back to the website thing just real quickly. Um, make sure if it, even if it's just one page, please include all the info that somebody who's not familiar with your church would know to be able to find your church, to know what time things start and to know how to dress. You know, if, if it's a, you people dress up, then, Hey, say, wear your Sunday best. Or, you know, if people are okay in jeans and flip flops. Tell them that, you know, just let people know. So they're not embarrassed and uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's great input on that. Now I would like to, you know, Trent, when you talk about the video too, so many churches today are using Facebook live and, and it's, it's simple tool. It's an easy tool, but if you don't put the money into a decent camera, don't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it doesn't do you much good. In fact, I was talking with the pastor this week and he, he has decided that they're going to move away from their live stream and they're going to move to a recorded version. And I was able to tell him, you know, that's what larger churches have opted for. Mm-hmm. Larger churches have decided that their stream isn't, isn't good enough. It would be better to go ahead and edit, edit and put it online later so it is of, of a better quality and better represents what's going on on the on the inside of, of the uh, service. And I think that's okay. Plus, plus, you know, if you say something inadvertently that you didn't mean to get out or something mm-hmm. happens that you didn't, you, you've got also got some ability to, to take care of those issues. So, you know, yeah. I think there's some wisdom. I actually think that there's some wisdom in moving away from the streaming to the recording, even in a smaller in a smaller church setting. It's something that I think is worth worth checking out. But again, get someone who knows. Get someone who knows about the audio quality, your microphones, your speakers. And I know it's expensive stuff, and and I get it that it's expensive stuff. But I have been in churches where every where the speakers crackle, mm-hmm. and and you have a headache by the time you leave. You do not yeah. want people to have a headache for coming um, to worship the Lord. So just mm-hmm. deal with you deal deal with your technological issues. And by the way, I have two overhead projectors. I mean, not project you know the overheads that you used to put the words on the screen and. Yeah, with the plastic the little sheets. sheets, the plastic sheets, you'd put them on upside down or backwards or whatever. I've got two of those that I, I'd sell nice and cheap if you if you haven't moved up to that level yet. So anyway, I've, I've got them. I've got them for you. Well, speaking speaking of expectations, there, uh, you know, you know, I I think one of the, the let's talk about some of the intangibles here, Trent. I think uh, beyond the things in the building and 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 that is the attitude of of not expecting guests, not expecting um, any, mm-hmm. anyone to show up. Yeah, that's that's like, uh, you know, praying for a harvest and then, then not planting any seeds, right? Um, and so, yeah, you, are you doing things? Are you praying for guests to come? And if you are, then are you doing things and setting up, expecting God to answer your prayers? Um, you certainly won't have guests or they won't come back if they don't look like, hey, you're expecting to have people come for the first time. Um, And then I'm glad you put this in the notes is, you know, if somebody joins the church, 
are you doing something to help them understand what it means to be part of the church and to grow and to be part of the ministry team? And so you, you should have a new members class. Um, Dana and I have joined a church and uh, we had to go through a new members class, even though we've been you know, Christians for a long time, but it was great for us to learn about the church. And we, yeah, we did exactly the same thing. We had to sit and take a Saturday and we were up there at the church going, going through a class and, and getting to know some of the other new people in the church. And, and I think that was a hugely beneficial uh, time for us. Now, we were in a church that had several guests, but I've done new members classes where it's been one family. So yeah. it's okay. If it's just one thing, you're not shortchanging their times to, to give them your history, your beliefs, um, share the gospel, um, put expectations down. You do all those things that you can't do when you just say, oh, so-and-so wants to join the church, and then they're going out the door, and you'll never see them again. So right. make, sure, make sure that you're doing something that says we expect people to not only come, but we expect you to like it enough that you're going to stick around oh, when, you, when you do come. Because if you don't plan for guests, you're not going to have guests. And if you don't interact with your guests and incorporate your guests, you're not going to grow and you're going to, you're just going to continue down the wrong path. Well, let me add to that too, that not only having the class, but then ask them to serve or try out an area of service in your church. Um, a lot of new church plants, that's already an expectation that if you join, you're going to serve. But in our churches that have been around for a long time, that's not always the expectation, but I will tell you right now, your chances are way better of keeping that person if you offer them a place to serve. If all they do is just come to church, you're less than 50% likely that they will stay. If you have them in a place of service and, and a part of a team that's doing something, they, that jumps up to the 80s and 90% that you'll keep them. Yeah, that's a great word. I'm glad you added that in there. So Trent, not only is the attitude of where you don't expect anything a problem, also the attitude of uh, we'll change over my dead body, that unwillingness to change. Mm -hmm. And sadly, the reason that most that the reason that most churches end up closing their doors was because of the reluctance to change. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we Alan and I we hear it all the time, right? Um, and, you know, in our state here in Missouri, where I'm at, they've found that the majority of the churches are plateaued or in decline. And I would say that that's true, really, from our experience across the board, not just in my state, but it's across the U.S. Most churches are plateaued or in decline. And a lot of it stems from an unwillingness of the leadership, maybe deacons or church leadership or the pastor, to look into what the changes need to be to be able to be relevant to their community. Um, a lot of times people don't know their community and then they're certainly not willing to change to help their community. Yeah. Desperation is, is really the catalyst that it takes in a dying, declining church to, to turn, turn it around. If you're not desperate enough for the turnaround, you're just going to keep sailing towards your iceberg and you're going to go down like the Titanic. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. It's a, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat that. It's just, it's just a reality uh, that we deal with and you and I, in our role, we see that um, quite often. Trent, you added into our notes and I'm grateful for this, an uncaring heart toward uh, outsiders is, you know, 
I agree. I, I think we see a lot of angry pulpits today toward toward the lost world, and um, that that really doesn't help us in reaching reaching a lost world when our first posture is the angry posture. Yeah, I agree, and and that really stems from not knowing the community. Almost every time, you know, people will be um, preach angrily about their community, but they don't know their community. They're making assumptions based on Facebook. And, and so it's really sad when we're supposed to be preaching the love of Jesus and all we're doing is being Pharisees in front of the people that we supposedly care about. And so I think this is a huge deal. Uh, we've got to know our communities. Um, and I, I will tell you that things can change if you get to know your community because your heart will change. And you got to hear their stories. Yeah, you know, a long time ago, we talked about pastoring your community and such an important topic, especially if you're in a small church in a small town, you, you the community needs you. And mm-hmm. I believe it's a God-given responsibility to be the pastor of your community, to love your community, to to know your community, to engage in your community, and to to earn the right to be the pastor of even people who don't go to church. But when they think they need someone from the church, they know to call you. Mm-hmm. Such such a huge opportunity. Don't don't miss out on that one. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, Alan, if we've gone through this list, um, and you know, if I'm say I'm sitting and I'm a I'm listening to this, and I'm a church leader, a layperson in church, and I start thinking, oh my gosh, our church has one or several of these characteristics. Is there any hope for us? Can things turn around? Well, I think the first place we, we begin, Trent, is to recognize that God, God wants our church to turn around, and we need to talk to him about it. So let, let's, let's kind of put, our, first of all, let's kind of put everything in, into a prayerful mo- mode with this and, and let God begin to, to pour into our hearts. Because I think desperation, not only that we want to see the change, but also a desperation for God to move are tied hand in hand there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, there is a joke among pastors that if you want to kill something, call it a prayer meeting. But I'm telling you, our churches are dying because we haven't had prayer meetings. We call Wednesday nights sometimes in our denomination prayer meeting, but there's a cursory prayer at the end that's like a minute long when we should have been on our faces and on our knees for the entire hour seeking God. But most churches don't seek God. They say, God bless our efforts, but they don't ask God what he wants them to do. Yeah, and Trent, you put it in here in our notes, you know, to think about the, the great commandment, to, to love God with all your heart, to love mm-hmm. others as you lo- love yourself. And, and really, I mean, when you think about who we are as the church, that really is a foundation. I mean, that's, that, that's one of the things that we have to protect. You know, are, are we a God-loving people? And I think sincerity and, and thoughtfulness and all those things, you know, you know, our worship, our attitude of worship, all those things reflect our love for God. But mm-hmm. then all these other things reflect our love for one another. You know, um, the fact that, hey, I, I, I prepared for you. You know, Rochelle used to always, uh, when people would come stay at our house from from out of town or whatever, she'd always put little mints on their pillows when they'd come stay at our house. And she just wanted to do a little thing that says, man, 
we thought about you before you came. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference. It really does. It, it does. It, it makes, it, it makes a, a big difference. And so make a difference. Make a difference. Be thoughtful. You know, I think it begins with loving God and, and loving others as you love yourself. And I think you can begin to turn, turn that tide. Oh, I believe so. Yeah, there is hope. If you're sitting in a church and you're, and you're thinking through this as you're listening to our podcast today, which, by the way, thank you for listening to our podcast today. Um, but you're thinking, my goodness, this is our church. You know, we have these problems. There is hope. And if you will return to your first love, you know, return to that love for God, everything else will overflow out of that. Um, spend time, even if it's just you or you and one other person, praying for your church. You know, extended time just begging God to bless your church. He will do that. So I just want to encourage you. Things can turn around and things can be awesome because our God is awesome. Yeah, and if you are not experiencing any of those, you can look at that and say, you know, those really don't identify us, then then celebrate that reality. But also remember that it happens really quickly and you don't even notice it. So be vigilant, look for these elements, and uh, make make sure that you're doing everything you can Um, to endure because that's our heart's desire for you we want to see you and your church endure so thanks for joining us this week we hope you we hope you can take some things away from that and it will help you and your church endure so we'll talk to you soon catch you on our next episode bye-bye